Hello, innovators, explorers, and risk takers. Welcome to another episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast. My today's guest is Yana Bertram from Rarible Foundation and Rarible Chain or Rary Chain. And today she is going to talk about the future of NFTs, which way they are going, the problems that Rary Chain solves, and why is it even needed when we already have so many chains that work with EVM. Also, she shares her insights into the NFT industry and where she thinks things are going to move in 2024. So if you are working in Web3, blockchain, crypto, or NFTs, then this episode is for you. Also, nothing mentioned in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. And if you like this episode, then please share it on your social with your friends. With that out of the way, let's get into it. So Yana, it's great to have you on the show. So looking forward to talking with you. I have used Rarible in past for NFTs. This is maybe two, two and a half years ago. But yeah, would love to learn a bit about you, what you do at Rarible. And for some of our audience who don't know about Rarible, can you also please describe to them what Rarible does and what problems you guys solve? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. And lovely to meet you. I'll start with a little bit of an overview of the ecosystem that surrounds Rarible and Rary, right? Because yes. there are multiple entities that build this ecosystem together and they each came to existence at a different time. So it all started with Rarible, the marketplace. Right? So the NFT yes. marketplace, early on after they launched, they decided that community will be like an organizing principle for them or something that they want to definitely stand by and take into consideration when shaping their future. So very early on, they decided to decentralize. And they decided to decentralize via launching a governance token called Rary. And that's when you have it, you lock it, you are able to vote and participate in the Rary DAO. And the Rary DAO governs the Rarible protocol. So imagine the marketplace as being the front end and the Rarible, back, Rarible protocol as the back end. So it's essentially the tech stack on which the marketplace is running. It's an indexer, it's an order book, and it's an SDK. It's also yeah. open source, right? So not only Rarible, but anybody in the space can be building with the protocol. So that's essentially what the Rary DAO was established to govern. Yeah. The mission that we have with the Rary DAO, and we as the foundation, I'm part of the the Rary Foundation, we work on behalf of the DAO. Like we have a mandate from them to represent them, to execute, and to follow essentially the community wishes. One of the things that we aligned on very early on was the vision and the mission towards which we want to strive so that there is a misalignment between the foundation and the DAO. We all are working towards the same goal. And the vision really is like a world where NFTs have way more use cases than today and they are adopted by masses, right? And a lot of this yeah. adoption doesn't even like the word NFT in it. It's just like the technology on the end that like powers your experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like the vision for the world that we have. So what is our role and what is our mission in this is to build decentralized NFT infrastructure that can power these innovative use cases. Mm -hmm. So we look at the variable protocol. It does a part, it does a job at that, right? But it doesn't, it can't necessarily fill the scope of the ambition, 
right? The writable protocol I mentioned is an indexer, it's an order book, it's an SDK. So you can build marketplaces with it. You can build your mm -hmm. data analytics. You can integrate it in your wallets. There are multiple use cases that the protocol can support. But if we're really going to think big, then we can be ambitious. And that's where the idea of launching our own chain came from. And the chain would not be necessarily a vanilla chain that is just riding on the power of the entity that's launching it and like the recognition of the player in the space, but it also has a clear differentiator. And the differentiator for this chain is that it has royalties embedded on the node level. That means that once you mint a rare chain NFT, yeah. there is a, a way to circumvent those royalties. Now, of course, like there will be back actors and people and projects will try to have this. And that's where an ongoing governance of the chain comes in place. But on the very elementary level, the sequencer only approves transactions that respect royalties and negates transactions or doesn't approve transactions, doesn't let them pass if they are trying to circumvent royalties. So that's like the very basic structure. And because it exists on the node level, it's also like very simple, right? It's a very simple solution. Doesn't require like development of multiple smart contracts or protocol, uh, whitelisting certain actors and so on. So it's essentially an environment that is an open to all to build and to participate in. So the, the vision there for the chain is that it provides a base for creator economy that's sustainable, right? Like we see, when we talk about the future of NFTs, we see creators as the principal driving force behind a cultural mass appeal and wider adoption for NFTs, right? Without those creators, you will not yeah. be able to get all that cultural resonance. You will not be able to attract all that attention. You will not be able to reach that like level of adoption that we envision. And by cutting them out from the economic benefits and upsides of the NFT market, then you are essentially disincentivizing them, right? Like you're making their livelihood harder and harder. And then a lot of those creators, they're smart, business savvy people, and they will look for those opportunities to monetize and they will become like very entrenched in a multitude of tools and they will find a way to make money. Yeah. But that's not the case necessarily for everyone. So instead of making it harder for creators, like we want to take some of those barriers down and provide them with a platform and a space where they can essentially have a guarantee of their royalties being paid. So that's essentially like, the vision. Yeah, but then it's I never thought that if they made royalties, getting paid was an issue or was that an issue? So you would have creators that drop their collections, they set royalties. Yes. And then those NFTs would taken, be taken to a platform that decides not to respect the royalties. Yeah. And those royalties don't get paid. Yeah. Right? So then it's like the, the creator does not have a power in the traditional blockchain environment. Yes. Or today, it's they didn't have a power to enforce their royalties. Mm -hmm. So as long as take Ethereum mainnet as an example, yes. when OpenSea decided to stop paying royalties, yeah. the creator didn't really do much about it. Rarible, on the other hand, always respected royalties, right? So it makes yeah. sense that for us as as part of that rare ecosystem, royalties is something that we stand by and we stand for because it has mm -hmm. historically also been something that is part of our cultural DNA. Think of Rarible as our key partner in this endeavor, right? Like we are yeah. part of the same ecosystem. So we are launching the chain in collaboration with them. Mm -hmm. 
once we once we launch the mainnet and the chain is in testnet right now once we launch in on mainnet which is happening very soon and the announcement will come out in a matter of like very short amount of time you will see that the initial cohort of artists and creators that will be dropping on the chain will be on dropping on the chain via radical.com so they're like our flagship nft marketplace that yes. integrates the chain on so they will be the first place for collectors and creators to experience the benefit of the chain yep we build the chain with the arbitrum tech stack yep as arbitrum orbit so it's an l3 which makes the gas very cheap so yep. a world where we say l2s are already so much more cost effective and cost efficient than yes L1, then L3 takes it to yet another level. So the gas being very low, it's a great benefit for pretty much anybody involved in the ecosystem because whether yeah. it's you dropping a collection, people minting, transacting, you don't really have to think about that gas cutting into your profits. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Like we're talking in like single digit cent numbers, yes. not even double. So it's very cheap. And then there are benefits of just being on the tech stack on which we are, which is a very fast block time. So like the transactions and the finality is like really quick. So it actually makes for a really good experience from a user perspective because you're able to mint, transact your NFTs at very low cost, at a very good speed. You are able to bridge in a very seamless way as well. So like the bridge in the testnet environment, like we've been receiving feedback from devs that the bridging has been ultra fast. So Hopefully this is something that we can keep up when we're in mainnet should be the case. Like mainnet is a slightly different environment, but overall, yes. like the bridge experience is, has evolved significantly since maybe people, users started experimenting with bridges for the first time, right? Like yes. I would still, even today, I sometimes hear from people, something will get stuck on a bridge for a week. That's no longer the case, right? Like yeah, yeah. The, the tech has evolved a lot. So like the bridging is like a couple minutes which is pretty fantastic compared to where we were before. So just having that kind of environment where you can very seamlessly and very conveniently, essentially, transact mm -hmm. is really important. And I think also the more chains launch, like we're not the first or the last chain that launches for NFTs or for creators. There's a lot of movement yeah. out there. There are more and more solutions coming out that enable that cross-chain interoperability and transactions. So I think a lot of the times we get questions around, are you in some way preventing users from migrating away from your chain or bridging out assets or anything like that? And we're not, because we believe we need to have that kind of freedom and you need to have that kind of openness. We're very much aligned to the Web3 ethos. Yes. But the hope is like the benefits we can provide will give you the sufficient incentive for you to stay in our ecosystem. And really that liquidity then come from any kind of other ecosystem. You are able to use your ETH on your mainnet to be purchasing a Rari chain NFT. Yeah, sounds good. Yep. Yeah, I'm just thinking, are you scared of bridges? Because I've often heard that bridges can be a source for hacking and all those sort of things. Yeah, and I think that's where going with partners who are highly reputable makes a ton of sense yes. i think bridget is one of those infrastructure solutions that you don't want to get experimental on 
And we also use, so there are multiple ways to bridge assets to our chain. And one of them is a native bridge built by Arbitrum. And that's pretty much as secure as it gets. And then of course, individual apps, they will be using their own bridging integrations. There are several bridge, bridging providers that we have either already onboarded onto the chain or are in conversation with, and all of them are highly trafficked, reputable bridges with great standing and history without history yes. of hacks. So those are the ones that we are integrating on the chain. So that's essentially then your menu as a builder to be choosing from for your apps. When it comes to just bridging your assets to the chain via, let's say, our website, then you will be directed to the native bridge, which has the Arbitrum tech in it. So that's pretty much as secure as it gets. Yeah, that's interesting. And just now taking the conversation to to slightly different topic of just like NFTs as a whole, what's your view? Where do you see NFTs going in 2024 for this year? Yeah, so you probably already picked up on the fact that we want to be ambitious here, right? <laughs> so yes. we, we do want to see the NFT use case evolve. BFTs are great. They're fun. A lot of people can make money on them. A lot of people can lose money lose on them. Lose money well. on them, yes. Um, but they're in the long-term vision for NFTs. I feel like they're a flash in a pan, right? But again, it's something that brings in the attention to the space. It has its role and has its benefit. But what we are, the kind of environment we're trying to create with the chain is to bring in creators, not meme generators or farmers. So actual creators that make careers in Web3. So we would love to see more of that. So essentially like a true value-driven NFTs, they're not speculative because those creators, they have a longstanding history of producing work. Their work has some sort of market value, right? Think about it almost like it's traditional art in a sense. So there's like less speculation going on over there. So that's one thing, more of those value-based NFTs. And I'm just very bullish on real-world assets finally coming on chain. And then with that, there are a gazillion of use cases, essentially. That kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with like regulation and institutional adoption. It's like a big topic. So it might not necessarily be happening in 2024 just yet, but like progression of that journey would be really great to witness. And then I think like another big use case for NFTs is brands and brand adoption, like whether it's for their revenue generation or whether it's for their loyalty programs, but just having more of those established brands that we know from the Web2 world embrace Web3 and with that NFTs. I think it's another trend that I think we will be witnessing this year, pick up a little bit more. So whether that's like digital goods, or whether that's like your loyalty NFTs or NFT programs that like drive some sort of direct engagement with their client base. I think these three tenfolds is something that excites me. And then of course you have trends like fractionalization, lending, and the NFT Fi intersection of NFTs and DeFi. There's a ton happening there as well, but yes. I feel like when it comes to actual content of the NFTs, I feel the brands, the real world assets, and like the actual creator NFTs is something that we will see most evolution around. Yeah. Do you think we will get back to the 2021 hype or not really? <laughs> I have a sense it, we won't, right? Because yeah, there's only one time that you get the real bubble. And I think yeah. then 
people and market learns. So if there's hype, again, I feel like it just takes a very different shape and form. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next bull is still a bull. It's just not as sharp. And hopefully people have learned their lesson. And I'm sure there's still going to be an element of speculation, as there always is. But I would hope for some of these like more value-driven NFTs be represented in that hype rather than just those PFP collections. Yeah. Yep. 100%. What, what's your thought on Bitcoin NFTs or ordinals and other projects coming out like that? It's a great innovation, right? Like ordinals are super important and I wish there soon will be a way to bring that kind of logic of storing NFTs on chain to the yes. Ethereum-based ecosystem as well. And hopefully our chain can also become a home for that kind of application as well. Because once you start having really cheap gas fees, yes. bringing the NFTs fully on chain does no longer need to be cost prohibitive and can really open up the use cases for what kind of NFTs get to be stored on chain, right? So it doesn't have to be a rare super high value NFT, it can become more of a day-to-day -day object, but you just want that permanence be embedded in the NFT. So yeah, it's great. It's great. Like you can store the metadata on chain, you can store the actual image data on chain. So it really yes. removing all the other risk layers um, yes. that you have with off-chain storage. It's not necessary for all kind of NFTs out there, right? If it's my membership card to my YMCA, yeah. then it really does not need to be on chain. But yeah, I would hope that those new cost-effective chains we're seeing come up in the Ethereum ecosystem can attract that on-chain storage as well. Yeah, I think so. It will happen over time. It is bound to happen because that is a has been a big weak point because so many nfts were just a uh, data pointing to the storage on aws or somewhere else which has been an issue to the story of decentralization or the ethos of decentralization and awesome. transparency and all that so yeah I, I do agree with that i know rwas have been big as in they, there is a lot of hope around rwas ordinals in this time around and or bitcoin in this time around in the market as well as as solana of course it has got its own own issues which i'm still trying to understand why has it, actually to be frank it's like my first experience of nfts this is nearly two and a half three years ago maybe more than that was no actually first one was the crypto kitties in 2017 <laughs> but in the last cycle, it was on Solana, and which I found was interesting. What's your point of view on the Solana, I don't know, NFTs and ecosystem? And There obviously is a lot of value that users see in it, right? That's why yeah. it's that's why it's still going strong. That's why it became hot again. I'm very much aligned to the Ethereum ecosystem. So that's like where my bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's, they're doing things right. That's why they're still sticking around. So I think they just caught their second wind yes. right now. After the whole FTX and everything that happened. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Exactly. I have, yeah, I have another thing that I did want to talk. And that's something that you did mention when we started the conversation. And that is when the technology goes in the background, that's when it gets adopted. That's when you, what kind of you were saying with like when NFTs are, used as the background technology that powers a lot of other things. That's when it is. Have you come across any such solution that does that? 
that's what we're building towards, right? The, the kind of infrastructure partners that we are onboarding on chain provide things like credit card on RAM, credit card checkout, account abstraction, gasless minting. You combine that with having that really like cheap gas. So what that all leads to is you can have an experience where just like going back to that, like YMC member, y, YMCA yeah. membership card. Right? Like yeah. I will go to a website and claim my membership card. And I have no idea that I got an NFT, right? Because it's just yeah. my link. To my email is my account. It was a gasless mint. YMCA just subtracted that from my membership fee, whatever. And that's that. Or you purchase your diamond with your credit card and you get your like NFT certificate with it. Yes. Again, you did not have to interact with Web3 from your user perspective at all. So all these tools, you just need to stack them up. And then brands, businesses, apps, they built for the experiences where web free is yeah. backend, but like the your UX and your experience is exactly like it has been in the web two world. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense. But do you have any examples or do you know any companies doing that using your the infrastructure that you guys are developing for that type of a we're thing? not we're not on mainnet yet we're not okay okay so once it's on mainnet then exactly. we'll have some examples of that because exactly. i'm quite bullish on that because i do see it that's what happens when we everyone uses mobile apps most people don't need to know whether they are stored on a google cloud or aws or we don't need to know about the underlying tech um we use like another like tv remote we don't need to know what frequency of infrared it uses to connect to the tv and everything we just use it as the back-end technology and that's when it gets um like mobile phone where five billion people use it around the world so i think that's what yep. what we need that's when even like more and more real world assets or asset tokenization can happen because it just becomes a background technology like a, a database supporting it which is what in my point of view blockchain is it's just a different type of a database to store, store data. So yeah, that's so, a controversial. Okay. <laughs> was that? <laughs> yeah, it is a spicy database. Yeah, that's what it's. You have on-chain data or off-chain data. Off-chain data is a regular relational database management system. And on-chain data is, is you store it on-chain through different nodes all around the world. It's decentralized. And yeah, I think that's like for me, because we work on behalf of decentralized entity, for me, like that decentralized app decentralization aspect is paramount, right? The fact yes. that LPN actually enables you to be cooperating in a decentralized fashion, that's such a huge value unlock. And I know that a lot of people get frustrated with decentralizations because decentralization, because it's messy. It can be slow when it comes to decision-making. It can be very hard to navigate, <laughs> but yeah. I think like overall the different inputs you get really do make those decisions stronger. So yeah. I'm a big fan of like well, I, decentralization. I'm also a big fan of decentralization, but I rarely see proper decentralization anywhere. It still uses so much Web2 infrastructure. It's every, nearly every startup I know in the Web3 space uses AWS or one of the big centralized databases to store data. And a lot of the NFTs are just pointers to those things or not only NFTs, but everything. It's still, it's still 80% off chain and 20% on chain if that. And same thing with games and stuff. So most of the things are still off chain, but it's a start. It's a start. I'll give that, that we are moving in the right direction and it takes time. And our technology is so young, the whole sort of 
blockchain-based tech is still very young in its infancy. So it, it will take some time. And I think they, they could be a happy medium in the meantime, what they call Web 2.5, <laughs> semi-on-chain, semi-off-chain. Yep. Yeah, everything is evolution. Are there any projects that you have come across with in the last little while that you are really optimistic about? They do not have to be fully off-chain. They can be partly off-chain, on-chain. Yeah, I think like the chain, the the Rary chain is like our most exciting project uh, yes. uh, that we've been working on in the past several months. The protocol is doing great as well, right? It's onboarding new ecosystems Yes. few weeks. So before we decided to launch the chain with the Arbitrum stack, we actually already started cooperating with the Arbitrum ecosystem yeah. through a proposal to their DAO. So our, our DAO made a proposal to their DAO to integrate yes. the Rabble protocol with Arbitrum 1. That was that messy decentralized decision-making, but yes. we emerged from it by having really aligned ecosystems and we got a grant to integrate with Arbitrum. So that was like a really exciting project as well, because then you are essentially talking about bringing your protocol in an environment that is the future of Ethereum, right? That's like what these rollups or what these tools essentially represent. With that, like we opened a wave of integrations. So the protocol actually integrated, if we count in testnets as well, about seven different chains last year, and there's more to come this year. So I think like nice. all of that just opened the expansion of the ecosystem and it also gives the DAO more potential ways of essentially thinking about business model for the DAO and then also giving them more avenues to advocate for the ecosystem expansion. So I think it just because we are launching the chain doesn't necessarily mean that the protocol like is taking a second seat, right? Yeah. Or second place. I think it's still a very exciting product for the DAO to govern and it, it has mm -hmm. a very good momentum right now as well. And apart from that, I think just the DAO itself and the the building out of the DAO is a project as well. Like I think if you participate in different DAOs, you will see how much of that conversation is about how should we operate, how should we work, should we implement this, should we implement that, and yes. just around like the structure and the way of organization. So that's like another area of like exciting projects for us that we are seeing like happening in the DAO. And then we also facilitate. So whether it's official delegations by the foundation, delegate launchpad, which is actually like open now for applications. So you can actually get a delegation from the foundation for a certain amount of time. You will be selected together with the community to come and join the community and try yeah. what being a delegate is about. We have run programs for incentivizing delegations by distributing rewards. Like these are, for example, proposals that come from the delegate community, but then we just like help with the execution. So there's like a ton that is happening that is like really exciting from the ranks of the DAO. They initiate a ton of discussion around improving our governance. Just now there's a proposal on forum about the increasing quorum because we've seen the delegation incentive program actually work well and what that means is we have more locked tokens participating in our governance. So then how do we actually adjust the rest of our governance proportionally to that? So I think it's really exciting to see the community being active, yeah, pitching proposals and helping us mature as a DAO, right? Because decentralization is a process. It's not one and done. And we just want to make sure we get to that kind of future where the foundation actually has a minimal role. Like 
basically legal representation and, and administration. And then yeah. the community is able to be the driving force behind the ecosystem growth and the future of the product. It's something yeah. that is a journey. That's what we're striving for. That's, yeah, that's, that's a very noble way to, to think about it and also to, to proceed with, with things that you are adjusting, like with the voting, with the governance, you are doing those things because even in that, I have some criticism of like, I have seen lots of uh, DAOs and lots of things, how they work and uh, how grants and stuff or how they were working in 2021 and 22, um, in those two years and it was insane it's just a few people would have so many more votes and internally because they are the whales <laughs> so it's, it's just like pretty much it is it was very centralized in that way the decision making was centralized with one or two whales pretty much <laughs> exactly i think like decentralization needs to be a conscious effort because there are always yes. risks that will take you to the direction of centralization so unless the yes. community and the foundation are on the same page that decentralization is a value that you need to be upholding there are a lot of tendencies that will bring you to centralization because there are efficiencies with that, right? Yeah. And it's very easy to go for that over that messy decentralized process. But I think as long as you hold the value of decentralization and that's like your vision, yeah. you need to be sometimes taking the longer way <laughs> yes. and the less comfortable way in accomplishing your results. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so apart from, from all this, do you have any contrarian view when it comes to Web3 or blockchain? <laughs> contrarian, I don't know. I don't see myself as a contrarian person. I don't stir up that many things. Um, no, no, it's not only about stirring but, up. Some Everyone has different, because Web3 is or blockchain is so big now. There is That's right. It is so big. And then there are so many different personalities in it, right? And personas yes. and profiles of people that get attracted yes. to different kinds of things. So yeah. your experience of blockchain can be so vastly different from my experience of blockchain. And we can meet at a cocktail party and talk to people and who, who we will talk to will come away with totally different understanding of what, what blockchain is about if yes. they speak to you or if they speak to you, right? Yes. As important as DGENs are, right? Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's not me, right? So yes. I'm not going to be able to to advocate for like farming and points farming and flipping and all of that. Like it, yeah. it has its role for sure. And it is yeah. also something that contributes to growth and to bull and all of that. But I, my brain doesn't work that way. My brain works in the way yes. of building stuff. So I yeah. prefer to be working with those projects and those people in the ecosystem mm -hmm. that actually grow and build. So that's the kind of like projects that I like to surround myself with, people that I like to surround myself with and the kind of experience yes. I want to have with being in Web3. And that was also a primary driver for me joining Web3 full-time in the first place was to grow the ecosystem and was to grow the space because that's, I think for me, the most exciting thing about Web3 is if you join now, you're still very much at the beginning, yes. right? And you can grow something new, and you can say, oh, I actually helped build that piece that yeah. then became a on which somebody else built something else. And you can contribute to the knowledge. And that's essentially like how we have always evolved our knowledge as humans. There's all these building blocks and everybody's building on top of each other. Yes. If you just want to be there for the thing, cool. Those, that's your choice. But that's not like my primary driver. So it's not necessarily a controversial take. It's not necessarily a hot take, but it's like, I yeah. just know what my space in this space is and what it's not. Yeah. No, that 
That's fantastic. I was going to say something. Yes, I talk with lots and lots of projects in this space and, and I see so much innovation still happening and we, we are yet, which the world is yet to see. A lot of it's still not public yet. And it is amazing, absolutely amazing to see. And just yesterday I was talking with a founder. I, I won't share the name and the startup, what they're building. And it's absolutely amazing. It's You can put your logic for different AI models onto NFTs and then sell those NFTs and stuff. So whoever wants to use that model can buy that, use it, and then on send it to someone else, which is pretty much amazing it is hard to do in the current I, I always find it interesting when you I find a solution where I'm able to do something on web 3 which I'm unable to do in the web 2 world where I feel like okay that is a real utility now that I can that I have to use web 3 and so I am always looking for those type of solutions where there is no equivalent in the web 2 world yeah and I think that in a imperative right like you just you'd like to stop and that's a, that's the case in web 2 or any kind of yes. world that came before web 3, right the moment you stop innovating you like it leads to stagnation and it leads to atrophy so yes. like you will use market share you will use your client base because somebody else out there will be innovating so yes. even though you like came to the space and you made a great innovation doesn't necessarily mean you will stay on top Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, of course, the experience right. is not as smooth because I've been I've sold software in past. I've, I've sold other digital products in past. And I could see that the experience I can have a very large Web2 platform is still smoother than the Web3 because there's just new upstart coming up. But it I cannot sell the same product there and I can sell this product here. So that's why I have to use the Web3 solution in this space because on-chain can save that data for the model and it is completely on-chain. So that, that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, but look, it's been an absolute um, pleasure talking with you. My last question is that, do you have a ask? Are you looking for anything? If you are hiring, raising money, anything, feel free to share. We are hiring. We had actually three open roles at the beginning of this year. We just filled one to we're still interviewing for. So both of them are still live on Web3 careers. One of them is ecosystem growth manager. One of them is a DevRel. So yeah, check out the jobs, come and apply. And I think keep an eye out for that mainnet launch, the drops campaign, and different kind of ways to get yourself onboarded into the ecosystem probably earn some quests along the way, all the yes. typical stuff with launching mainnet. So come and keep an eye on the news. And also, if you possess Rari, it's time to come and experiment with involving yourself in governance, because yes. with the launch of the chain, the scope of the governance is growing. Yeah. So instead of just governing protocol, you're going to be now governing the chain as well. So that's super exciting. Yeah. Invite more community members to come in and join us and be be our guardians. Oh, that's fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Yana, for your time. I will. What I'm going to do is when I share this episode, I'll put the links to Rary Foundation and Rarible Protocol and then all the relevant links so people can find you guys and interact with it, do some quests, earn some airdrops and all those sort of things. So yeah, so thank you once again for your time and best of luck. Yeah, keep going. Thanks so much for having me, Sam, and giving us the space to share what we're working on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening or watching this episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast. By now, you know the drill. Leave a comment or 
share this episode with a friend and leave a review. I would love to hear from you. So that's why my DMs are open. Reach out to me, especially if you are a founder building a product in Web3, then I would love to hear from you. What are your challenges? Is there anything that I can help you or my community can help you with? Thank you once again and wish you best of luck in building your startup or your project.